Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here, Fightful MMA Podcast. It is October 19th. I am managing editor of Fightful.com. Make sure you all head over there. Check out tons of podcasts, interviews, photos, videos, forums, really anything you can think of across MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. I'm joined today by one of those guys who gets a lot of those interviews, Mr. James Lynch. James, it's your first full week doing this, like, all the time. How are you feeling? Uh, good, busy, busy. That that's the one thing I was uh, worried about is you know maybe I wouldn't have a lot of stuff to do, but it has just been nonstop uh, since Monday morning. Uh, getting lots of interviews, doing a lot of editing, and uh, just having a lot of fun. That's the main thing, and uh, so far so good. That's all I can say. You don't even have time to make your bed. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a mess in here, you know, being being a dad and everything. Uh, it's uh, it's tough with the little ones. So uh, so yeah, apologies apologies for the bed, but uh, you know the content here is is going to be what people are going to be tuning into. Hey, if if my bed were in my background, people would see that I often well, okay, I never have time. Even if I did have time to make my bed, it wouldn't be made. Right. So yeah, no, I, I hear you. So. We have lots of stuff coming from James this week, uh, a really great one that he has up on his YouTube with Colby Covington, which uh, Fightful.com will have a couple of stories on. Just unbelievable stuff coming from James, but lots of news in the MMA world. It always happens like this. Joe and I do a show on Tuesdays, and the thing is I originally pitched for it to be on Thursdays because it never fails. Like As soon as we go off the air, a bunch of stuff happens, and yeah. like – this week was uh, definitely right up there with it. First off, I want to talk about this fight announcement, Michelle Watterson versus Tisha Torres. I think that's a great fight in that division. Yeah, I, I love this matchup. Uh, Michelle Watterson, of course, now on the uh, reality TV show, the, the Challenge as well. So she'll be coming off that and then doing this uh, matchup here. But uh, smart on the UFC. You know, Watterson got a lot of exposure fighting Paige Van Zandt, who, you know, is getting a big push herself. And then Tisha Torres as well. You know, some people thought maybe she'd be fighting for the title next. But this is the right matchup right now. Strawweight's still sort of looking for their next contender because after Rose, it's pretty slim pickings. And uh, I think yeah. Torres is, is a great matchup. And we've seen Watterson. You know, I know Watterson's coming off the loss to, to not to not Eunice, but again, a very game fighter and then, you know, fighting someone in Torres who's coming off an impressive win herself against uh, Juliana Lima. 
I remember when that season of the Ultimate Fighter happened, I was sitting there thinking, man, Tisha Torres, she's probably the one. She's probably going to win this. Didn't work out that way. And then she lost the fight to Rose Namajunas that really set her back. And until her last fight, she didn't do a whole lot that made you sit back and take notice of, oh, wow, this is a, a future one to watch in that division. And now she's she, she's 28 years old. She's still young. And she's only lost one fight. If she gets past Michelle Watterson, I think that – you. I mean, I don't know that she's any real threat to Joanna, but if Rose somehow uh, takes that fight, I would love to see that rematch. I mean, I would love to see Tisha take on Joanna as well. But I think she's a logical contender in that division if she were to gain that victory. Yeah, and we often forget that on The Ultimate Fighter, I mean, she was, like you said, you know, someone that I think a lot of people thought would potentially win the show, and she was upset by Randa Marco. So uh, mm-hmm. now she's sort of getting her footing again and, you know, going on a bit of this run. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree here. I think the winner of this fight will be either having a title shot next or be right up there. But uh, it's, it's just great matchmaking on the UFC's part because, again, uh, you've got someone in, you know, Watterson who's, you know, looked pretty good for the most part except for her last fight. And then Torres as well, quietly making a nice win streak and getting that statement win in her last fight. And then uh, Tisha, Tor- Tisha Torres has gotten beaten by uh, Carla Esparza, too, which, I mean, Carla Esparza in that she was also one of the favorites at that point and ended up winning it. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how these divisions look in about a year when yeah. 125 is really rocking, and who knows if 145 will even be around. But I'm really <laughs> excited to see how 115, 25, and 35 look in that landscape. Yeah, and it's interesting to see who will move up, who will move down. I mean, the divisions are going to look a lot different, like you said. And, you know, if you look at the the run that Joanna's been on as champion, uh, there might be some fighters that were contenders that might think about going up just because of the fact it's going to take them that much longer to get back up, uh, you know, to, to earn another title shot. You know, someone that comes to mind is Claudia Gadea, who, you know, just lost her fight. You know, she might be better served going to 125 at this point, just with the fact that she's had a couple bids at Joanna. You know, she's coming off that loss in her last fight to Andrade. I think, uh, you know, moved to 25 would be interesting and you add her in that division how much more interesting does that division look right so yeah uh, exactly potential and Joanna has said that she wants to beat Rose Namajunas and then at least defend her title one more time she wants to go after Ronda Rousey's like women's defense record so we know that a a possible move to 125 isn't on the horizon for maybe a year before Mm -hmm. she decides to take that championship as well and then you have Valentina Shevchenko saying that she wants to move to 125 like when she has a fair opportunity in a very murky 135-pound division to get a rematch, she's like, no, I think I'll, I think I'll try my hand at 125. So that, that's, that's very interesting in my opinion. Well, part of that might be the fact that uh, she fought Joanna uh, earlier in her career. Maybe, you know, we almost saw it happen at 213, right? Joanna was going to step in uh, for Amanda Nunes, and, uh, you know, they just couldn't get it cleared. But maybe that's the reasoning there, because how big of a fight would that be, a rematch between Joanna and uh, Valentina? I mean, that's as good as it gets for women's MMA. Do you have a certain pick? Have you watched much of this season of The Ultimate Fighter? I have, but here's the thing. I always watch it a day later just because, like, usually on Wednesday nights or something, I'm usually busy doing other things, like interviews or editing or whatever, so I usually miss it. So I'll probably watch it, like, tonight or tomorrow. Um, I have been watching it uh, pr- pretty closely, and, uh, you know, it's tough to say. You know, Bar- Barb Hornchek, uh, you know, has, has looked great, uh, you know, so far. I think she's still the favorite. But uh, I- I'm not counting out. I really like Montana Stewart. Um, you know, she's someone that's uh, very young, has a lot of experience. They talked about that, you know, with her heading 
heading in and and obviously uh, you know a lot going into this uh, show for her and uh, I think she could be the dark horse uh, to potentially win the show but uh, I think Barb's still going to be my number one pick uh, to take uh, take home the title. I'm going to binge watch all the fights I think in the week prior to Tough that way it's kind of fresh in my mind. Yeah. I think it says a lot about Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez and how like they were focused on this. The two people who were like lower seated than their opponent that they picked both won their opening round fights in Sajara Eubanks, who was uh, seated 12th compared to Maya Stevenson's five, and Nico Montano over Lauren Murphy. And they both, or no, uh, Rachel Ostevich yeah. over Melinda Fabian. And they both won their fights. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. And uh, Roxanne Modafferi has come out and said that she much prefers this season to the season that she was with uh, Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate because. She said there's not as much bickering between the coaches. It's more about them than it is about the coaches. So, uh, yeah, and it, it's – I would have never thought a few years ago that not only would Roxanne Monteferi be a contender in this, but number one seed. Yeah, I know. Isn't it weird? I mean, she's really turned things around, and she's always been sort of like this – I don't want to say like America's sweetheart, but like people were really rooting for her, and to see her actually yeah. be able to turn things around, it's been sort of a nice uh, secondary storyline uh, in this season. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the the coaches. You know, a lot of people going into this were like, yeah, it's great that Alvarez and Gaethje are fighting, but as coaches, as personalities, it's going to be kind of boring. But the great thing about it, Sean, that we've discovered is that the focus has been on the fighters this season, and I think that's yeah. really what it's all about. Um, you know, you have these good coaching rivalries, but oftentimes you forget about the fighters on the show i mean that ronda and misha season i mean i don't even remember too much about the fighters i know who was on there but i always forget like what the fights were because there was so much about you know ronda and edmund and you know uh, dennis hallman and uh you know yeah. misha tate and all that so it's uh i'm glad the focus is kind of being put back on the fighters this season i really remember the the duke pennington fight and that's it that's all i remember yeah. from that season from from an cage perspective Roxanne Modafferi, she like when she got beat out of the UFC, I was thinking she needs to hang it up. It's time yeah. to go. I thought, you know, maybe UFC could hold on to her as maybe like a Japanese translator or something because who wouldn't want to see her in the cage doing that? Like, I mean, that would that would have fit her. She went to Syndicate, she straightened it up, she got with a real camp, or and and has just she's she's a person I look forward to watching fight now, and that just wasn't the case a few years ago. So. Hats off to her for making that transition and making that uh, something that, that like she wasn't going to be defined by. I, I think that's pretty cool. I agree. And, and, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she's been doing this a long time and, you know, often when she gets to a big stage, like the ultimate fighter, her first go around, you think it's probably done. It's probably not going to happen. But I mean, she's 35 years old. She made her debut in 2003. I mean, the fact that she's been able to still, you know, get better and better throughout his career is pretty remarkable. And, and again, a, a nice storyline that's sort of been added on this season. Somebody who hasn't necessarily gotten better as their careers went on is Derek Lewis. He had, I thought, one of the worst performances of 2017 in his last fight. He had to withdraw from his planned bout against Fabricio Verdum the day of with a back injury. Now Diamond Dallas Page is stepping up and offering like kind of his services to Derek Lewis. Diamond Dallas Page has helped wrestlers who had kind of fallen off in like uh, – Jake the Snake Roberts, Scott Hall, uh, Chris Jericho credits it as the reason as the DDP Yoga program as the reason he's able to be in the ring at 46, 47 years old. Do you think Derek Lewis should take him up on this? He had went vegan. He got himself in much better shape, but it just wasn't enough. Well, Sean, I'm actually a DDP yoga user, I believe it or not. I'm very really? familiar with DDP yoga. Yeah, actually, I might even have, let me see. Oh, look at this. 
DDP yoga right here. I got the DDP. Oh, nice. So I wasn't even just saying this to, you know, suck up to your audience or whatever. But no, I, I use it and I've been following the, I found the Diamond Dallas Page thing very inspirational as well. And to answer your question, absolutely. Um, I think what Dallas has done with a lot of wrestlers, with a lot of people who have, you know, struggled to stay on track with a lot of discipline. I think that's really what they teach is just sort of the nutrition and the discipline and all that. I think it would be great if Derek can have an open mind to it. He seems like kind of a guy who might not be too privy uh, yeah. to doing something like this, but by all means, if it's going to help him get in better shape and to really sort of hone in on on the skills that he does have, we could see a turnaround in Derek Lewis's career. I've told this story before, but after like there, you know, I trained pretty hard in MMA. I wanted to make a go of it, and I ended up with two bulging discs in my neck that pressed down the nerve that ran down my right arm. And there was a, a pretty long period where I it wasn't comfortable to do anything. Like I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't feel my right arm. I did DDP yoga. It got me back on the mats. Like I'll never be able to consistently because of all the injuries I've accrued, but it allowed me to do pro wrestling. It allowed me to do a lot of things. It allowed me to live comfortably. And I think for a guy like Derek Lewis, who does seem like he's not always, did you see the video of on embedded of him, like trying to talk his nutritionist? Yes. Letting him eat at McDonald's. That was, (laughs) that was funny, but you can tell it reflected him. Yeah, it's true. And, and, you know, we don't talk about this often, but, you know, food is an addiction. I mean, if you look at sort of, uh, you know, especially like fast food and everything, like for some people, it's as tough to put down as it is, you know, for for people who are, you know, tied on drugs. It's there's a chemical in there that, you know, makes you want to eat something good. And, and, you know, for these athletes, they got to eat, you know, as as clean as they can to be in tip top shape. And if you're eating this stuff, it's going to really sort of, uh, you know, deteriorate your body. So, um, you know, for someone like Lewis, uh, I think the mindset isn't there yet. He needs someone to really step in and say, look, this is where your career's at. This is where your career could go if you just make a couple changes and, and you know, really sort of focus on things and uh, you know, work on the diet, work on uh, the flexibility because uh, we've seen a lot of fighters you know, do the yoga thing and, and also um, you know, uh, you know, go on the diet thing really hard, and we've seen a lot of success. I know George St. Pierre, for example, you know, he's doing a lot of the gymnastics and yoga and all that, and we've seen his flexibility sort of help him in his fight career. So maybe the same sort of thing could happen for Lewis. I know Tito Ortiz used it for a little bit. Like he ha- he's had a ton of neck issues. Like when you get those neck issues and back issues, they don't generally go away. Like you gotta, it's it's a it's a maintenance thing. If you don't do your maintenance, they just come back and come back and come back. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I actually I have a shoulder injury right now that I've been uh, dealing with for about a year now, and uh, probably going to need surgery next year. So I'm just kind of working around it. But it's so you know your body you got to appreciate it because if if anything sort of happens, um, you know it it really does impact certain things. I can do most things that I want to do, but I am limited in certain areas as far as what I can do with uh, with my shoulders. So I, I feel for those who are suffering with injuries. I want your take on this Chris Cyborg Holly Holm thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. Chris Cyborg, I don't know who runs our social media in particular. Uh, you know, I, I saw Jeremy Botter saying it's the same guy who runs like Jake Shields and stuff because they post the MMA imports links. But there's a possibility that they, well, I know they they pay to have their their links placed, and hey, that's a part of business. But I don't know if those that's a, the person that runs everything. But whoever does it, like, is always, in a regardless of situation, painting Chris Cyborg as a victim. Right. Like they would find a way to link to the, the Lena Landsberg fight and act like Chris Cyborg was victimized in that fight somehow. That's <laughs> that's the, the unique skill of her social media person. And on her Twitter, whether it was her or that person, said that they wanted Holly Holm tested as often as she is. Holly Holm's been tested more. But what what do you make of all this? 
uh, it's just a disaster. I mean, really, your social media person is supposed to help out your career, not hinder it. And that's all. Uh, I forget the guy's last name, but his first name's Ray. It's her boyfriend who's the one who's doing the mm. uh, the social media posts. And uh, yeah, it's and, and then, you know, poor Chris, she, she has to go and do a video after to explain what it is that her boyfriend meant. I mean, here's the thing, Sean. It's Chris Cyborg's picking a fight that she shouldn't be picking. You don't try and paint Holly Holm in this bad light with steroids, especially coming from someone who did test positive for steroids. Not not necessarily twice. what happened. Yeah, twice. Exactly you know in strike force and then obviously what happened with her delayed uh you know featherweight fight but uh it's it's one of those things where uh, just, i just i don't get i don't get you know we want fighters to sort of build uh storylines and, and have uh, you know people buy into to certain fights but i don't think it's needed in this case first off holly holm defeated ronda rousey that in itself people know who holly holm is you don't need to try and sell us on this fight i think i've mentioned this to you before you know chris cyborg and holly holm is probably the biggest fight you can make right now in women's mma from a name value standpoint yeah and why like why are you poking the bear it just seems like this what the, the idea was to try and build up even more hype for it but it's actually taken it about five or six steps back and chris cyborg again just not looking great in the situation and and i believe it's it's the person you know i believe it's this ray character her boyfriend who's just making everything worse and she just sort of stay off the social media for now there are a couple situations where i think some of these fighters don't understand that what they're doing is is hurting the promotion like michael bisping going out there saying gsp's on steroids all the time i'm like man that's not a good look mm-hmm. that's a that's a terrible terrible look like i hate that that's what it always turns to like even Ferguson on Kevin Lee. I don't know Kevin Lee's history. I know he's never popped. I know Chris Cyborg has twice, and she right. got that rec- retroactive TUE, which a little sketchy, a little odd. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like this stuff happens with her all the time, all the yeah. time. Like it, she's like, well, if they're they're testing me at five a.m., they should be testing you at five a.m. It's it's the way it is. I mean, you, you've had Elias on on your show talking about you know them going through a fire escape to try and get him to get yeah. you know tested and everything. So it's just it's just the nature of the game. Playing the the victim mentality is just not a good way to play this at all. I get that. You know, there, there's other things to this, you know, as far as Cyborg being a female fighter. I'm sure there's been some, you know, just notoriously awful things said towards her in her direction. I get that. But let, let's let not use that as an excuse to sort of exemplify her from or to take her away from all these other things that have happened with, you know, the, the sketchy test, this and that, the fact that she's popped and the fact that, Sean, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but if you look at her from her first pro fight, which is available on YouTube to how she looks now, she looks completely different. I mean, yes. You know, it's it's not it's not hard to kind of figure things out here. So I don't think I think she should just stay quiet and fight and let the you know her fighting do the talking, so to speak, and not you know create these sort of uh, narratives that just don't need to be created. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Alexander Gustafson says he's willing to wait for a title shot. Um, and one of this this kind of goes into one of the questions that we had on Twitter which you all can uh, contact us at Lynch on Sports, at Fightful Online, or at Sean Ross Sapp. What's next for Daniel Cormier? Daniel Cormier seems to have booked his own fight. He says, I want to fight Volkan Ozdemir next. Gustafson says he's willing to wait. What, what do you think of that? I think it's a bad idea. I think uh, in this day and age with Gustafson, I mean, he's 30 years old. It's not like he's, you know, spring chicken or anything like that. He's he's had a lot of fights. I think you got to stay active. I mean, these it's 
rare, there, there's a few cases where waiting for a title shot has worked out. You know, Tyron Woodley's a, a good example where, you know, he didn't want to fight until he, he got the title shot and it worked out for him. But we've seen other cases where, you know, fighters just haven't gotten fights booked. They've just been really inactive. I, I just think in this case, it's not a good idea, especially with how weak the light heavyweight division is. I mean, Gustafson could literally fight anyone in that top 10 outside of some of the top guys, and he's probably going to win. So why not stay active and keep things going and utilize the fact that, uh, you know, you, you've got a couple wins here. And, and not only that, it makes a stronger case for a title shot because we're just two fights removed from him losing to Cormier, granted a split decision, but I think it's something that, you know, some people still are saying, is this the fight to make? And, you know, Uzmir, like you said, uh, you know, got on a bit of a run himself. So I think if, if Cormier is going to fight Uzmir, get, uh, get, get Gustafson the winner of uh, Serkinov and, and Teixeira. I know it, that Teixeira just fought Gustafson, but if, if Serkinov wins, let's do that fight. I know there was rumblings of that fight uh, supposedly taking place earlier this year before uh, Serkinov had those contract issues. So that's the fight to make next, in my opinion. Uh, Gustafson shouldn't hold out. I think it's a bad look for Gustafson because he got a title shot after he withdrew from a fight. Mm-hmm. That, okay, that happens. Then he got another title shot after he lost a fight. Not just lost a fight, lost a fight in two minutes. So you're telling me, I mean, he at least he's coming off of two wins, but you're telling me now you're going to wait? I think that's 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 rough. You should get back in there and fight. Yeah. No, wait. you got you to you stay active. And, and like I said, the division is so weak. Like if we're talking welterweight, maybe, you know, it's one of those divisions that's a little bit deeper. I think then you maybe risk the, the you know, the, the loss. But I think Gustafson beats most of the guys in this roster. And I think uh, he's, he's just, he's got to stay active and be relevant. That's the other thing. You know, fans, we, we, everything's based off wins and losses and then how you did in your last fight. Fans sort of forget about Gustafson at this point because, you know, he's been very, you know, he hasn't fought much in, in the last couple of years. So I think that's one thing to sort of put in consideration as well is that if you stay active, you're going to be in the minds of the UFC and, and everyone else. So it's just something to put into perspective. Looks like Habib Nurmagomedov is trying to get himself in the mind of fans right now. He's He's been on a bit of a, a media frenzy of late. He says that Tony Ferguson is the real champion. But says he wants he wants to fight a bit of everybody. Then Edson Barboza comes out and says, "I've agreed to fight Habib personally. I think that's an awesome fight, given what we saw in Habib's uh, over the past year from Habib is that maybe he runs into some trouble with striking, and I think Edson Barboza is the guy to test that. That being said, you know there's a good chance he could ragdoll Edson Barboza. I think it's just a really good matchup fight to me." I don't want to see Habib in a championship build fight until he shows that he can make 155 pounds safely again. I agree. Because he's ran into that trouble over and over again. What do you think of Barboza Habib and the potential on the horizon in this division? I, th- I think it makes perfect sense. This is the, definitely the fight to make. Uh, people were saying that Barbosa should have got the matchup against uh, Ferguson for the interim title. You know, people are crying about that, saying Kevin Lee didn't deserve it. Of course, if that fight would have happened, I don't think people cared nearly as much as they did with the Kevin Lee fight because Kevin Lee, you know, sells a fight in itself. Mm-hmm. But that's a topic for another day. Um, th- this fight, yeah, and, and again, you know, Khabib's undefeated, so he should get a top-tier opponent. I think Barbosa is the guy to really bring it to him. And you mentioned the striking. I think it, you know, poses an interesting challenge for Khabib. Um, and then, you know, 
know, also, I don't think Khabib, like you said, should get a championship fight. I mean, he missed weight on his own accord. There's no excuse for that. And I think that he should, you know, as a sort of a form of punishment, should not get a title shot or anything like that. I think it is sort of, you know, just another tough matchup and you sort of go from there. But that's the fight to make. There's no one else in that division that really I think Khabib should fight at this point. I think it's, you know, the winner of, you know, that that fight between Barbosa and Khabib then would hopefully fight the winner of Ferguson and McGregor. But, uh, yeah, we all know that might not happen. <laughs> so so my thing with Habib is like he pulled out of that fight and then he's like well we got to wait until at least the fall because of Ramadan okay yeah. then they say okay how about MSG or what, whatever it is they offer him no no can't do that yeah, Bilal? you can't be making these demands when you pull out of a fight. I mean, that's that's just you know. And the Ramadan thing, Bilal Muhammad. I don't know if you've known. Uh, he's yeah. fought, uh, his last couple camps, his last couple fights uh, during Ramadan. So if he can do it, why can't Khabib? Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, a lot of guys in MMA employ intermittent fasting as is. Exactly. So I mean, it's not like it's not an unheard of thing to to kind of go about it that way. I have real concerns about him making 155, so I I wouldn't be surprised if he moved up. But now if they made that 165 division, look out for him. But I want to see him make weight. I want to see him face an Edson Barboza. And if when you've pulled out and you've rejected title fights, you don't have the room to say, give me one. Give me one. I know. Yeah. You passed on it. You passed on it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's one of those things where, you know, if you, you know, if you miss weight, if you pull out of a fight, I mean, that's your, that's not the time to start making demands after, you know, something like that happens. And, you know, a lot of times when Khabib tweets, I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure it's him. It might be his manager, you know, doing sort of that strategy of, you know, trying to get, you know, because I think we had RDA, uh, you know, this week say that he wanted an interim title fight. I think that was more his manager trying to create some buzz yeah. as well. Same manager I might like to add. So, I mean, these are things we have to take into consideration, but yeah, Khabib should not be demanding anything at this point he should be lucky he's even getting a fight with Barbosa because uh the Cardinals in an MMA is you know missing weight and pulling out of a fight especially a fight that was as big as that with Tony Ferguson speaking of that lightweight division we have Paul Felder who's won four of his last five booked against Al Iaquinta on any given week you don't know if Al Iaquinta is ever going to fight again it's <laughs> like just I mean it's just it's just the unfortunate way it is but uh he is a great fighter that's going to be on UFC 218 in uh Detroit it's good to see this division moving a little bit because, like I, like I said on previous shows, it came to a standstill during that year that Conor McGregor was gone. Not just him. Nobody was fighting. And when they did fight, you had fights go to, like, no contests and draws and stuff like that. So we're finally getting, getting the wheels moving. Yeah, they need new contenders. We talked about this last time, and this is this is exactly the type of fight you need to do. You know, Felder gaining a lot of notoriety now with his commentary work, so he's sort of you know becoming this fan favorite, and of course his fight style as well is very fan appealing. So, uh, you know, he wins this fight. That's going to be a big win for him. Iaquinta, you know, he's kind of the anti UFC guy. You know, he talks about how much he doesn't like his pay, but then he takes these fights. So he's sort of like this renegade, like underground sort of guy that everyone likes as well, and he does the re- the realty thing as well. So that's kind of a side story as well. But um, yeah, they they need to create new contenders. With, with Alvarez and Gaethje on The Ultimate Fighter, things are at a standstill there. You've got Pettis and Poirier coming up, which I guess will sort of uh, bring another contender as well. But it's sort of gone through a bit of an influx. Some of the guys that you would see a couple of years ago just aren't in that division. Guys have moved down. Guys have moved up. It's not what it used to be. And now we need to create these new contenders. So after this McGregor thing gets sorted out, if it does get sorted out, you need guys waiting in the wings. And these type of fights will certainly uh, lead to that. 
Vitor Belfort announced on Instagram that he will be facing Uriah Hall in January. Now, as people of this show and website will know, Nikita Krylov fan sent me a text this morning, and he said, this is either going to be the most exciting fight of all time or a three-round staring contest. Yeah. It, it's true. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in this one. Uh, Hall coming off, you know, one of the best comeback victories this year, maybe not, you know, maybe of all time as well, uh, just the, the win over Jocko. So he's sort of getting back, uh, you know, on the, in the swing of things. And, and Belfort, he won a fight against Nate Marquardt that I don't think he won. I think a lot of people felt like he didn't win. Um, so he has, he has a bit to prove. But you, the hope here is that if you look at this on paper and you look at some of their past performances, this should produce a knockout, should produce a highlight reel knockout. But at the same time, Uriah Hall had some pretty boring fights as well. Belfort, you know, the last fight against Marquardt, not a great fight, and one that he, I don't, like I said, I don't think he won. So the hope is, is that we see an early finish, but there is that possibility of it going. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply the distance of being a bit of a snoozer but either way a fight for both fighters to kind of reinvent themselves you know hall getting the win was nice but he's a guy who had a lot of hype and he's really just been very disappointing to say the least in his career so he needs this sort of signature win on his resume and uh for belford it's about staying relevant and if he beats uriah hall he's certainly going to be somewhat relevant in that division i still believe that uriah hall could put the lights out of like 98 percent of that division when yeah. he pulls the trigger it's just a matter of pulling the trigger and i've never seen well, Anderson Silva is perhaps more as much of a case of that as he is because we we always saw what Anderson Silva was capable of when he did it, but he started to rely on that counter style. With Uriah Hall, he just straight up said he's scared when he goes into the cage. He's he's almost fearful. But whenever he just flips the switch, lights go out. Yeah, or on to use that pun. But <laughs> He doesn't win like he hasn't been winning decisions in like the last three and a half years. Like he's been knocking people out or getting knocked out, and then Robert Whitaker took him to school. But 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 if you look at that Whitaker fight as well, that was a case where Whitaker was the aggressor, and I think that took Hall out of his mm -hmm. game. And you, we've seen that a couple times where you know you look at the John Howard fight, for example, when when he fought Hall, a fight that Howard shouldn't have won, and and Hall, you know, very disappointing exactly. in, in that one. But that's one where Howard got in his face and really sort of uh, neutralized the weapons of Hall. So you know, it is a confidence thing. It's also you know about sort of setting the pace as well. And I think uh, it, Hall should be able to. I mean, if I, if we're we're picking a winner right here right now, I think Hall should win by knockout if if he's you know able to sort of get out of his 
his own way. But part of it, too, is he's sort of the victim of his own success. You know, Dana White hyped him up so much on the Ultimate Fighter after that highlight reel win over Adam uh, Cilia. And uh, now it's just, uh, you know, he just hasn't lived up to the, you know, next Anderson Silver or whatever it is they called him uh, hype. So it's it's just, it's one of those things. I think if he didn't have that, maybe he's a different fighter. But uh, I think part of it, too, is just the style matchups. And this is one that should favor him, in my opinion. I look at his career arc, and after that Musashi win, yeah. had he really – had he done the things – like, it's he should have beaten Gastelum. He should have beaten John Howard. He should have beaten Natal. Yeah. He should have won those three fights. And had he won those, coming off of a win over Gegard Musashi, he probably should have gotten a title shot off of that because that would have been like seven or eight wins in a row, which by then he would have probably been facing talent of Musashi's level – prior he would have been fighting Natal and Ron Stallings and guys like that but it's it's just weird man like I know that if you put him in there with Chris Weidman I don't know that Chris Weidman doesn't get knocked out it just depends on any certain day also you know I don't know that Chris Weidman doesn't drag Uriah Hall to the ground and pummel his face I don't know that Weidman uh doesn't turn out Uriah Hall's lights also I don't know that Uriah Hall stands on the outside and stares at him for 15 minutes. Like that's, that's Uriah Hall. Well, you mentioned the mental thing. I think that's definitely something that plays into a lot of his fights. I mean, we even saw with the media. Do you remember last year, uh, Mike Bond from from Junkie did did an interview with Hall, and he was just really short with him, and it just was kind yeah. of a bizarre interview. And, you know, I get that fighters don't want to do interviews. I mean, you and I have interviewed, you know, numerous fighters, and, and sometimes you're not going to get, you know, the the, the Steve Cazolas uh, every single time. But uh, yeah. you're, you're going you're gonna to have guys – like, to me, it just seemed like something's off. And, and to me, that says that, you know, your mind's not maybe right going into a fight like that. So I think uh, if he can get that – figured out um because we've seen this i mean uh using a canadian example here david loazzo everyone for years was raving about how great david loazzo was in the gym and he, he had some success in the ufc got a title shot against rich franklin but there were times when there were fights he should have won and he didn't because he was his head was getting in his own way and it kind of looks like a similar situation here to hall where there's fights he should win but again just mentally he's not there and, and hopefully he figures that out because i think he is talented it's just a matter of putting it all together yeah I, i'm completely with you Ronda Rousey. So it looks like she's heading to the pro wrestling end of things. Tyron Woodley thinks that she would come back and fight Gina Carano. I think probably if she got that fight, if they could make it happen, she would. Gina Carano has been out of the cage for going on like eight or nine years now. Do you think Ronda Rousey would come back? And what do you think the possibility of UFC putting this together are? I think the UFC would put this together very much so with the with the name value alone, and I think they're sort of taking notes here and there of what Bellator's been doing with some of their matchups. And this, sorry, you know, that, sorry to cut you off, but Dana White did say in a recent interview that he would put together Steven Seagal versus George Foreman too. So. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, sure, he would. Yeah, no, of course. And I mean, we've seen the entertainment, uh, you know, value of this. I mean, it's the same reason why you know Paige Van Zandt and Sage North get pushed over other fighters. There is that entertainment value that's sort of added to to the way fights are getting matched up. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and did this to take it i mean if the price is right i think uh you know i've always sort of said this i know ronda's i don't know ronda that well um but but i do know that as someone who's an olympic athlete and someone who's you know been competitive her whole career i'm sure she doesn't like the way her career has sort of gone uh with those last two fights in the ufc and you know i know she hasn't officially retired even though it kind of looks that way but i think if she could fight gina carano especially with the fact that if we're looking at this on paper ronda should be better you know, credentials wise, I don't think she'd be, uh, you know, she'd have the, the size disadvantage going into that one. But uh, yeah, she might come back for that one. I, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say it would happen. We have a couple of events this weekend Bellator 185, which got hit hard. Mm-hmm. 
this was an awesome looking card. It was set to have Musashi Slaminko on top, which is still there. Supported by the Heather Hardy and Neiman Gracie fights, but it lost Phil Davis and uh, King Mo. I th- or who, who was fighting? No, it was McGeary, it was King- McGeary and uh, King Mo. McGeary and King Mo, and then, and then it Rickles lost. and Brennan Ward. Rickles and Brennan Ward, and that that re- losing Rickles and Brennan Ward was really just the dagger, just the knife. Because yeah. when I looked at that five fight card, and I was like, man, that's a that's a good solid show, and I thought that was going to set the tone for almost the fall season. Man, it lost a lot. I'm still going to watch it, but I'm probably not tuning into that card until an hour and a half before it ends. Same here. I, I never miss a Gigard Musasi fight. For those who know me, he's one of my favorite fighters. And so it's, you know, to see him make his debut uh, is just something I, I'm not going to miss. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, unlike the UFC, Bellator, it seems like a lot of the cards are focused like for certain markets. Like we're seeing the Pittsburgh card coming up. They're, they're loading, that's a Penn State. They're loading that up with, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, NCAA wrestlers. So it seems like for, for cards like this, like they can't, like where the UFC, like if they have an injury, you know, unless it's overseas, I guess they'd go with like a local guy. But in a lot of cases, they they can, they can afford to fly someone out and make it happen. But in Bellator's case, they don't really have that luxury, it doesn't seem. It seems like they're sort of set in their ways. So, uh, yeah, this is what we're getting. And it's, uh, it's also a result of them sort of stacking certain cards, like the New York card. I think they were feeling the effects of that for months after. And uh, they just don't have people readily available uh, to come in and, and fill those slots, especially like a fresh matchup. Like an injury is one thing, but a fresh matchup uh, is kind of tough. So it's unfortunate, but uh, – uh, you know what? I'm still, the, the, you know, the fight of the weekend. We actually had a question. I, I got to quickly bring this up because it ties into this. Nick Baldwin um, asked, you know, what is the biggest fight this weekend? For me, it is Musasi and Shlomenko just because Musasi needs to win this fight. He needs to be the, the star that Bellator needs him to be. And that is more intriguing than as much as I love Cerrone until it's a bigger fight, in my opinion. Yeah, I love the, the Musashi Slamenko fight. And what I, what I wonder is, you know, Musashi's a big, big 185er. Yeah, he fought a 205. He, was a yes. he fought at heavyweight. He did. And succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was there was at one point, like, God, I would have to go back and look. But it was dream. He fought in the heavyweight tournament. Like, Sokka yeah. was in that, and there's a bunch of guys. But he was, like, like some, it was something ridiculous. Like, he was 12-1 and one or 13-1 and one above middleweight for a long time. Like, and – we saw the the absolute ease that Tito Ortiz, Tito Ortiz at that stage of his career had facing Schlemenko with that size advantage. And I think Musashi right now at 32 years old, like prime in my opinion, like just good to go. I think that he is going to put on a show against Schlemenko, but Schlemenko is, is a great first challenge, is a great first opponent, a former champion that they can put him in there with. And it's like I said with Joe, if I were Bellator and like somehow Schlemenko scores the upset, I'm doing a video package on all these guys that my homegrown Bellator guys have beaten up from that have come over uh, since all these UFC trades. I'd, I'd, I'd put them together like the old WCW. This is where the big boys play, where they would show like Sting beating the shit out of British Bulldog or something when he was there. And it's like, man, see, there are great fighters here. There are world class fighters here. I would absolutely run with that but I, I am excited to see heather hardy and i'm excited for this main event and i will watch neiman gracie yeah neiman gracie is a bit intriguing as well just with the fact you know he's got the undefeated record uh you know yeah. he's got the gracie last name so there are a few like intriguing things but yeah a lot of luster lost and uh you know i, th- I think the card there that's really going to sort of pick things up is the one after this the 186 card so yeah oh I, I like that card too that's a good looking card right now well i mean 
Yeah. I mean, it looks good. Yeah. As it plays out, maybe it won't be. It depends. But I've liked the way that, like, the Ed Roos and the Tyrell Fortunes and guys like that that they've signed. And, and Aaron Pico with, yeah. like, no MMA experience show up and finish dudes. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. this is this is pretty awesome. But that show has uh, Zach Freeman versus Syed Awad. Great fight. Brilliant, brilliant matchmaking. Brilliant matchmaking to take a guy who was somewhat experienced in Freeman who scored a win – which, you know, when when I saw them book Aaron Pico against him, I was like, that's ill-advised. Why would you, like, he's way too experienced. But Syed Awad's a guy who's been around in Bellator forever, and you can put Zach in there with, and it's not too much, but it's not too little. Yeah, and, has a simil- and has a similar story, too, because Awad, yeah. if you remember, knocked out Will Brooks, and Will Brooks was the, you know, the hot prospect at the time. So they're, they're kind of, you know, in some ways, I know Awad's, you know, had a bunch of fights since then, yeah. but it's kind of an interesting matchup from that perspective. You have the women's flyweight title fight. You have the uh, light heavyweight title fight, Bader versus Vassell. Uh, Phil Davis is on the card. Ed Ruth is on the card. I, I'm a big. I'm really looking forward to that one. That's not going to be one that I tune into 80, 90 minutes before it ends. But hopefully, also Logan Storley. Like, yeah, that's, that's Tywan Claxton as well uh, from com- uh, from uh, whatever it's, I think they're called Hard Knock now, or Hard mm-hmm. Rock or something. The Combat Club team. Uh, he's making his debut, or he's got like a, a second fight or something. Um, there's a lot of prospects on here that uh, you know. I hope Bellator does this more often, where they showcase these because Logan Storley, from what I hear and and what I've seen as well, is just the real deal. And I really hope that Bellator utilizes that because Storley could have signed with the UFC and he chose to go with Bellator, so that says something in my opinion. There's this UFC show. It's a it's a afternoon show. I'm so stoked that it's yeah. that it's gonna be happening early. But like, it's like when I look at the names, I'm like, man, that'd be a pretty decent fight night show. Like Artem Labov, like you know, his fight's gonna be exciting against Feely, uh, Sam Alvey, Marcin Held, who's fighting for his job, pretty much. You have yeah. a heavyweight fight on there. Aspen Ladd, Jan Blakowicz, and then uh, Carolina, Darren Teal versus Donald Cerrone, but. There's no buzz for this show, but I think in execution, this could be like you could have a lot of finishes, have a lot of exciting fights on this show. Yeah, and and again, these cards are mainly just to showcase the talent that the UFC has sort of overseas and give sort of a glimpse of what the future can look like. Um, you know, I, I don't have an issue with cards like this because to me, it's just uh, if you're from there, it's a big deal because you get to see sort of some of the you know the, the European talent. And so, uh, you know, you're, usually those are the cards that end up being pretty good. It's the ones that, you know, maybe look good on paper that sometimes don't produce those results that you want. So really, the fact that there is low expectations probably means that something good's going to happen out of this card. Really looking forward to the Ladd versus Landsberg fight. I think that's a, that's a good one. Um, Sam Alvey, who you spoke to for Fightful.com, taking that fight on short notice. And the real question, like what I'm looking for tomorrow is does he make weight and how does he look making yeah. weight? Because he didn't he didn't mince words. He said this is going to be a very tough weight cut. He told you that very, pretty pretty uh, bluntly. Candidly. Yeah, I didn't even have to ask him. He was just kind of like, yeah, you know, well, I, I did ask him about the weight, but he was kind of like, it's going to be a tough weight cut. And that that's what happens, uh, you know, with short notice fights like this. And again, I think it's just a reminder to a lot of these fighters, if you want to stay active, you got to keep the diet, you know, good year round, because if you don't, you're going to run into situations like this. And I hope Sam makes it because right now, weight cutting, big topic right now, a lot of people trying to f- come up with solutions. And I just think that uh, if he doesn't make it, it's just going to, we've had too many fights this year been canceled or, or, you know, catch weight fights just because of the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of fighters just haven't been able to, to make the limits. So hopefully this works out, but I'll be keeping an eye on that for sure. And while I said this doesn't have 
a ton of buzz. It does have some storylines to it, like especially a couple of guys that I think could be fighting for their jobs. Marcin Held, Worley Alves. And these are two guys, just really big, promising prospects as recently as, what, a year and a half ago? Mm -hmm. Uh, Worley Alves won the Ultimate Fighter Brazil 3. Then he ran into the train derailer himself, Brian Barberina, who just doesn't care about any promotional. He's just there to, to beat guys. This is a guy who beat Colby Covington. Choked him out in 90 seconds. That's right. And like I said, ran into Barbarina, ran into Kamaru Usman. I think he will have a little bit of a longer leash than, than others. He's still 26. I think UFC knows that. So he'll be facing his third straight loss if he does uh, end up losing it short, in short notice fashion. But that, that couldn't look good if he did lose to an opponent that was given like a week and a half to prepare. Yeah, no, the, these 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 fights are important. I mean, the UFC sets these fights up for certain reasons. They want to get guys to show that they really belong here, and uh, you really got to persevere and come through. So hopefully, uh, you know, he gets back in the win column on, on this fight because, uh, yeah, it would be unfortunate. Andre Feely versus Artem Labov, that's going to be fun. That's Love that gonna... fight. Love that fight. Yeah, <laughs> what, what a great matchmaking there. You know, Feely coming off the loss to Calvin Cater. A lot of people thought he was going to beat Cater. Cater came out and said, no, I'm going to beat you. And uh, Lobov, of course, uh, the, the most popular guy just for the fact that he's McGregor's teammate. I mean, it's amazing. Any, anytime anyone mentions Artem Lobov, you just look at the hits on YouTube. It's just it's yeah. insane how many people love this guy. And he had a good fight with Cub Swanson. I mean, Lobov always brings it. I think this is one of those fights where uh, both guys have a lot to prove. Uh, people saying, you know, Lobov, the reason his record's like this is because he's, he'll fight anyone at any time. And, well, if that's the case, you got to – fighter in Feely who's had sort of an up and down yeah. career, you know, prove it. If you beat an Andre Feely, you belong uh, in that division. And if you don't, then I you know, maybe we got to question some things. Andre Feely's type of guy. I don't see losing like three fights in a row. He'll always find a way to sneak a win in there. Uh, Jan Blakovic did, and that's pretty much kept him afloat, but he's lost four of his last five and he's facing Devin Clark. That is a tall task because Devin Clark, has looked real good since moving up back up to, to light heavyweight. He won the RFA light heavyweight title, then debuted in the UFC at middleweight, decided to go back and has, has uh, beat Stansberry and Collier and now could really put his stamp on this division by, yeah. uh, by, by winning. Yeah, and another thing, too, about that debut that Clark had, uh, that was in Sioux Falls, which is where he's from originally. So making your debut in your home state, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be a lot of pressure. So I don't know if that played into it as well. But, uh, you know, Clark has now been training, uh, you know, full-time. I think in it, leading into his debut, he only had a couple weeks out there. But now he's training full-time at Jackson Winkle John. And obviously the benefits of that have been showing. And it's his, his last couple yeah. fights getting uh, two back-to-back decisions. And Blankowitz, I mean, this is a fight that really, I mean, the UFC needs contenders at 205. So Clark, you know, should win this fight. Fight. And if he does, this is one of those fights where, hey, he took out, you know, a savvy veteran and Blockowitz. Just disappointing is the best way to describe it. Um, that fight with Pat Cummins in, in Buffalo, I was there live. Not a great, not a great performance for him. So he's really got to pick things up. But uh, yeah, you'd, you'd think that Clark would be the one to hopefully uh, turn things around and, you know, really give a glimmer of hope in that uh, 205 division. Karolina Kovolkovich. She should, uh, I mean, she's trying to keep herself relevant in this division. Back-to-back losses to Gedalia and Joanna. How do you think she looks 
this oh, weekend. I, she, I think she looks great. It's no secret what the UFC is doing here. I mean, Carolina from Poland herself, uh, you know, fans love her. Uh, she just has sort of that endearing personality. And she's taken on uh, Jody Escobar, uh, who is, you know, on the Ultimate Fighter. But, you know, it's just uh, two fights removed or a fight or two removed from uh, Velasa Alexa Grasso. So it's not like Escobar is really someone that's uh, going to pose like a really great threat to her. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, if, if you look at this matchup, uh, Carolina should win this. I mean, uh, the betting odds, if I just uh, quickly take a look, I think uh, Carolina was like a four to one favorite or something like that. Uh, if we're looking at it now, yeah, she's minus 470. So, I mean, the UFC knows what they're doing here. Jody will probably have a you know good showing in her debut, but not enough to get it done. And Carolina will, you know, bounce back from her pretty surprising loss to Claudia Gadea. Not to take anything away from Gadea, but I don't think people expected a uh, first round submission loss in that one for Carolina. So she really needs to sort of uh, build herself back up losing uh, two fights in a row. I have a real problem with one of the bookings on this show. Uh, Let's hear it. Anthony Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, he, he retired, right? He, not only that, not only that, the guy is three and six in the UFC. 37 years old. 37 years old. He fought September 16th, where he was finished in 24 seconds. He was KO'd in February. He was submitted in two and a half or less than two minutes uh, in December. And then he retired last month. And then three weeks later, he's like, psych, I'm fighting. Well, three and six, you probably shouldn't be in the UFC anyway, uh, if you're three and six in the UFC. I, I got a real problem with the UFC booking this fight. I think that's a bad move altogether, especially yep. a heavyweight where you know. I mean, come on. We know the score. Good, good, good chance he gets knocked out in 20 seconds. It's true. Yeah, he's been finished in uh, his last three fights, uh, all in the first round. Granted, that's usually how heavyweight MMA goes. Uh, they don't usually yes. go to a decision. But no, I agree. What, what, what's the gain here? Are they try, are they really trying to pump up this uh, Adam? Uh, we I'm not going to say his last name. Adam. Uh, we yeah, forget it. Um, he, the Polish guy, basically. You know, he's. I'll, I'll yeah, tell I'll tell people after the fight happens on Saturday. Ex- yes, exactly. Uh, and and uh, you know, see see how it's pronounced. But uh, no, I just I don't see the gain in this. Like, what are they trying to do here? Is Hamilton is he trying to fight? his contract what's the reason for this it's just a guy losing three straight like this um should be out of the ufc especially in heavyweight where they could bring in some new blood there's there's prospects on the come up that you know could could use their shots so i, I don't know the thinking here is it that he's from jackson wink and maybe they want to you know throw him a bone here i don't know because they seem to like the bigger camps but i don't know it's just i don't like this fight at all and uh yeah, yeah it's i'm with you there rough booking we got Dur- uh, donald cerrone and uh darren teal now, Darren Teal doesn't have much of a name about him, but he, he's talking a big game. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him run into some speed bumps here and there and doing, during his UFC run. Donald Cerrone is tough to put away, but not impossible to put away, as we found out. How do you think this fight plays out? Cerrone wins this. I, this is one of those fights where they're kind of just getting Cerrone back on the winning track. You know, Cerrone's never lost uh, three fights in a row before. Uh, he's lost two straight uh, heading into this one. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, the, I, this, this is one of those situations. It kind of reminds me a bit of when they booked, uh, I'm going to go way back here, when they booked Condit and Rory McDonald. And I'll tell you why. Because at that time, you know, Condit was kind of, you know, he, he came in. I think he had a loss here and there. Um, and then, you know, Rory's sort of the up-and-comer. With Till, they're, they're, they've really, they, if you look at the UK, if you look at sort of the European scene, they really haven't had one of those, you know, big UK stars. Not since like Bisping or Dan Hardy or anyone like yeah. that. So I think what they're trying to do here is Cerrone, you know, he has lost a step. I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, he's, he's lost a couple fights here and there. He's had opportunities that he hasn't, uh, you know, been able to capitalize on. He needs a win. 
And I think a fight like Till, I don't think Till's ready for this fight, but I think it's one of those fights where he'll look good. People will be like, oh, that was a war. We're going to remember that fight. He'll probably lose, but he'll he'll do enough where he'll become sort of a fan favorite and someone that people want to tune in next time. But I, I think Cerrone wins. Just the experience factor alone, you look at the resume of who the, these guys have fought. I mean, Cerrone's fought the who's who, title challengers, former champions. Till's coming off a win over Boyan Velikovic, who loved the guy, great interview, but uh, not a great UFC fighter, let's be honest here. You know, guys you know, also holding on to his job, and that's the fight that's going to get you to this uh, you know fight with Cerrone. I don't think so. It's uh, To me, this looks like the UFC's trying to build someone uh, as you know a big star in the uk and that's why they've, they've done this matchup and uh i think cerrone wins this uh probably by decision but it'll be one of those back and forth fights where you know we'll get some moments but at the end of the day cerrone will get his hand raised i worry that if cerrone loses this that he he'll go down that matt brown path where it's just like five or six straight losses and you know he's got the ability but it's just it's hard for him to unlock it type of thing and Darren Teal, if he won, worse things could happen than them having a guy to maybe build around in that regard because he is willing to talk it. But, man, when when sometimes when he says these things, I get the feeling he's trying to convince himself, himself instead of us mm-hmm. like that, that he's there and that he's ready because like he – I'll hear him talk about how hard he hits and how hard he hits. And I'm like, man, you haven't, you haven't finished your last two guys. And those are the type of guys that you would, you would have finished if you hit that hard. Now, I'm sure if he hit me, I would think that he hit pretty damn hard. But that that remains, you know, that's that's not the point. Donald Cerrone is a guy that UFC I think wants to wants to succeed. He's getting up there. He's 34, but he said he wants to fight like 10 more times. So yeah, yeah, so, I think uh, it's possible. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, I think the UFC just has a hard time marketing anyone outside. They have a hard time marketing fighters in general. I think we've seen in a lot of cases that the biggest stars are the, the ones who are self promoters, and uh, this is their way of sort of you know giving Till an opportunity here. If Till wins, it's good for the UFC as well because you know this guy just beat Cowboy Cerrone, and now you know the next you know card they have you know overseas, they're going to book him there. It's kind of like what they're doing with Marcin Tybura. Um, you know, he's he had a fight against Mark Hunt. That was a fight for him where. You know, if he beats Mark Hunt, then he's this next big thing. So it's sort of the same sort of booking here, I think, um, you know, in terms of hoping that Till pans out. And if Cerrone wins, then, hey, he's back on track and we can start booking some uh, fun fights for him. But I'm not ready to write off Cerrone just yet because you look at his last couple opponents, Robbie Lawler, Masvidal, Matt Brown's always tough, Rick Story. He finished Cote, which I think it was the first guy to do that uh, in that division. So, I mean, for me, I think Cerrone is just, uh, you know, going to be too experienced in this one. But uh, you never know. Uh, anything can happen in MMA as we've seen. When you talk about how they mar- how they don't market in the UK, a lot of times I think they go with the hot hand. And right now it's it's in America, like, like Stipe, Daniel Cormier, uh, Woodley, Holloway, Garbrandt. But they do have Bisping and Connor that they can kind of just – just open that up to and hopefully they do i want to see mma re i mean a few years ago it seemed like they were running brazil every month like it seemed like like and as we've talked about before canada uh what is there anything else you're looking forward to out of this weekend in mma uh, just those two cards, really. I think a lot of us are sort of, uh, I know, you know, it hasn't gotten too much hype, but I think to be honest, the Bisping GSP thing is just sort of, uh, slowly yeah. taking over the narrative. And, uh, you know, I was at the press conference last week. It was really cool to, you know, I, I know some people didn't like it, but, you know, Bisping selling the fight and St. Pierre's just kind of taking it. And I, I like that. You know, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of this matchup. I will watch it, obviously, but uh, I think that's slowly sort of taking things over and you forget how stacked that card is. And I think that's sort of what people are looking forward to because next week's card is, 
is uh, Machida and Brunson, which I've heard nothing about. So I think uh, all the focus is on November 4th at this point. But uh, some fun fights this weekend. But for me, it's all about Gegard Mousasi. That That's what I'll be tuning in for. Let the people know where they can follow you on social media before we go. Uh, Lynch on Sports. Uh, you can find all my – I post everything that I have on uh, on my social media, so that's the best place to get a hold of me. And uh, Fightful.com, uh, uh, you know, check out all my uh, interviews. I'll be doing some more uh, this week and, and this weekend and uh, just uh, keeping that going. Uh, so far, so good. And, uh, yeah, I've been getting some really fun ones. The, the Covington one, highly recommend you guys check that out when uh, when the articles oh, yeah. are up because there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, Covington talking about, you know, his, his love for wrestling, uh, him actually, you know, working a bit in Impact, and also just his thoughts on, on the welterweight division in general. And, uh, you know, he's got a big fight against Maya, and if he wins – Another guy that the UFC can kind of look to and say, hey, this is a guy we can put on a big card and give him a big opportunity. So uh, keep your eye out for that. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful MMA, Fightful Wrestle, and Fightful Online. Uh, we have individualized MMA, boxing, pro wrestling sections. If you don't like one or the other, you can bookmark uh, which ones you want. Also, we have a filter on the main page that uh, divides the stories up if you if you so choose. Forums, photos, videos, podcasts, anything you could ask for in a combat sports site, we have it at Fightful.com. Check it out, you guys. Until next time, we're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.